Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. how important that is, gang. That's why John is able to put this. If you don't practice righteousness, you're not of God. Oh, by the way, if you don't love your brother, you're not of God either. That's how important it is. It's not by Sunday school attendance. It's not by volunteering to help out in community service. It's only through the reality of our true love for one another that the fullness of the gospel message goes out. We don't find out in the Word that it says, hey, if, if you do really good in your Bible Scripture memory, the world's going to know you're a Christian. It doesn't say that. Memorize the Bible. It's good for you. Study the Word of God. Absolutely. Come to Sunday school. Absolutely. But the thing that the world looks at is how we treat each other. Today, Pastor David discusses the topic of love and how we Christians are called to love, well, everyone. You may claim to be a Christian and to know the Lord, but if you live your life without love for your fellow man, You aren't doing as Jesus calls you to do. You're called to love your neighbor, and yes, even if your neighbor hates you, even if your neighbor's cruel to you, you are still called to love. Pastor David wants you to remember to let Jesus' love shine through you, even when your love falls short. Now here's Pastor David in the book of 1 John chapter 2, as he continues his message, Getting Serious About Our Commitment. John says, hey, if you do sin, you've got an advocate with the Father. But my little children, I'm writing these things to you that you don't sin. Wiersbe says it's it's clear that no Christian is sinless. But God expects a true believer to sin less, not to sin habitually. It's like the guy says, well, I don't sin anymore. Really? Are you sinning any less, though? Last one, John Stott writes, the present tense of the Greek verb implies a habit, a continuity, an unbroken sequence. The NIV has actually the right idea here when it translates these verbs, these phrases here, such as keeps on sinning or continues to sin or he cannot go on sinning. I believe the gist of what John is is telling us here in this passage is if we continually choose to walk in the flesh rather than in the spirit, there is great cause for concern in our lives as to whether or not we are truly a child of God or are we simply one who has tried out religion and we keep finding it empty and so we keep going back to the world. The difference between truly being born again, regenerate of heart, versus just trying to do the right thing in your own power. More often than not, for the one who appears to be Christian and yet falls back into the world in a consistent and a continual manner, the case can very well be that he was never born again, that she never became a new creation, that the self had never truly been crucified with Christ, 
that they never came to the point of repentance and confession. And beloved, all of those things are needful as a part of our conversion experience. Say, oh, but pastor, I thought all we had to do is believe. Just believe. No, isn't that what the word says? No, even the devils believe, and at least they've got sense enough to tremble. You see, in our belief, in our faith, means that, man, I want to make a commitment of my life. I want, I want this old carcass. Man, I want it in the back. I want it to die. I want to, I want to drive nails into the coffin. I want it to be dead. And the life that I now live, I live in Christ. I've been crucified in Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ living in me. As a matter of fact, John says that the lifestyle is actually the declaration of the status of our spiritual heritage, whether we are of God or of the devil. Look what he says in verse 10. John says, in this, the children of God and the children of the devil are declared. They're made manifest. Manifest is just what I, uh, uh, the idea of when a ship hits the harbor, the captain of the ship would bring out and, 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 and surrender his manifest. This is what's on my ship. I want to declare everything that's on it. And so he says, in this kind of a thing, the children of God and the children of the devil are made known. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. And then he tags on that. Nor is he who does not love his brother. Now, wait a minute, he dealt with that earlier on in the first chapter. It's interesting how he goes back to that. Interesting how important that is in our lives. Our love one for another. Our relationship with brothers and sisters is so important. As a matter of fact, John says, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, neither is he who does not love his brother. And John is the same one that's writing that. Remember, he was, as one of the disciples, John was present when Jesus spoke the following words. As a matter of fact, it's only in John's gospel account where we hear these words from the Savior. In the upper room on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus told his disciples, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Yeah, but I don't like Simon. He's a zealot. I don't like Matthew. He's a tax collector. I don't like them because, man, they come from northern Galilee. I'm from southern Galilee. I don't like them because of that. No. Jesus says this is a command. Not a suggestion. This is a command. You love one another. Even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And then he tells us why. By this, all will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. You see how important that is, gang. That's why John is able to put this. If you don't practice righteousness, you're not of God. Oh, by the way, if you don't love your brother, you're not of God either. That's how important it is. It's not by Sunday school attendance. It's not by volunteering to help out in community service. It's only through the reality of our true love for one another that the fullness of the gospel message goes out. We don't find out in the word that it says, hey, if if you do really good in your Bible scripture memory, the world's going to know you're a Christian. It doesn't say that. Memorize the Bible. It's good for you. Study the word of God. Absolutely. Come to Sunday school. Absolutely. But the thing that the world looks at is how we treat each other. We're not of this world. But altogether, 
We are actually supposed to be strangers of this world, strangers to the cultures of this world and to the ways of this world. Not so much that we're ignorant of them, but definitely that we are not partakers of them. Jesus prayed, I, Father, I, I, I don't pray that you take them out of the world, but just keep them from the world. That whole heart and idea of being a part of the world. As such a thing, we need to rally around each other in encouragement and support. It's pretty easy for us to fall into the things of the world. Man, we're still immature in our walk with Christ. Oh, we're doing good in this area, maybe that area, but man, there's some areas in the world that just draws me back in. Some of you hear that, man, we, we, we just have a struggle being consistent and being disciplined in our walk. And some of the others of you, we need to come along those individuals and say, hey, would you meet with me uh, every second Thursday for coffee or a soda or something? Man, let's just pray together. Let's read the Word of God together. Let's just come together. Let me encourage you, particularly you who are spiritual, you who are growing in your life. You need to look around and you need to say, God, who would you have me encourage? You've been so good to me, God. And I'm not there yet. No, I don't count that I've already apprehended. This I do. I keep pressing forward. But you know what? I want to I bring somebody along with me. And even if it means an hour or two out of your week to bless and encourage somebody that's struggling in their walk, of how much value is that to the kingdom, guys? John chapter 3, verse 11 For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. You see, he was jealous of him. Jealousy. Why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not marvel, my brother, if the world hates you. We know that we pass from death to life because we love the brethren. There's another test of our walk. That's the part of that moral test. Remember, we were talking uh, at the early on portion, these tests that are all through John. He who does not love his brother abides in death. You say that you're a believer and you hate your brother. John says the truth is not in you. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. We also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how in the world does the love of God abide in that? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but let us love in deed and in truth. And by that, then we know that we are of the truth and we shall assure our hearts before him. You want assurance of your salvation? You want an assurance that you know that, man, if you were to die tonight, you'd be in the presence of Jesus? Yeah, pastor, I want that. Well, some say, well, can you remember back 10, 20, 30 years ago when you prayed to receive Jesus? Well, if you can remember that time, then, man, you've got an assurance. I want to tell you, that's not what the Word of God says. The Word of God says that the assurance of my salvation, Paul says, man, examine yourself, see if you're in the faith. How do I examine myself? By looking at my track record, looking where I'm at in my life, in my walk. If I look at it and say, man, there's, there's nothing there to bring glory to God in my life, then I think Paul would tell you, man, you need to check to see if you're really in the faith. John is saying here, you want assurance of your faith, then don't love just in word 
No, make it, make it deed, make it who you are. That again, your life of righteousness is apparent to you. That's kind of like a singular thing, man. If I want to know I'm going to heaven, then I need to check my life. I need to look and see, am I walking in righteousness or is my flesh controlling most everything that I do? Am I always out for what I can get out of it? Our testimony and our lives, the actions of our lives, need to validate one another. To say one thing and act another one, I believe they call that a hypocrite. I believe they also call it a liar. You're not who you say you are. Together, our testimony and our lives ought to line up with one another and they ought to bring honor to the word of God and to the plan of God. And when our heart's desire leads our words and our actions lining up with God's purposes and bringing honor to Jesus, that's when I can have confidence. That's when you can have confidence that we are of the truth. Our hearts Our words and our actions need to be in line with the will of God. Not that we don't stumble once in a while, but man, let's get back on track. Are you actually going down the stream of living your life for the glory of God and just every once in a while you stumble? Or are you just wandering helter-skelter everywhere and every once in a while you hit it right? It's like the old saying used to go, even a, a broken clock is right twice a day, but with all the digital clocks, that doesn't work anymore, so that, that illustration's out the window. But the fact is, every once in a while, you might do the right thing. No, that's not the life of a believer. The life of a believer is every once in a while, you might sin. But by and large, you're living your life for the glory of Christ and for the honor of his name. It's the inner man that brings about that, that great revelation of who we truly are when our inner man realizes, no, his spirit agrees with my spirit that I am a child of God. John goes on, verse 20. He says, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows all things. So in other words, if, if, if our heart is condemning no, you're not really... Well, God knows, and if you need to do that inner examination, then do it. Man, if you need to have repentance in your life, then repent, man. Bring it home to Jesus. Bring it back to him. And I'm not saying you get saved and lost and saved and lost and saved and lost. I'm saying, man, has there ever been a truly, that time that you were fully, truly saved, born again by the Spirit of God? Or have you just been doing religion for all these years? Verse 21, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, Man, we've got confidence with God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Thank you, Jesus. I want that big house and that big car. Oh, and by the way, a really big raise would be. Is that what he's saying? No, not in the least. This isn't a formula of making God the great vending machine in the sky, okay? It's not that if we do one, uh, two, and then three, that, that God is beholding to us in, in any way, shape, or form. God owes no man anything. What John is saying here is that when we are walking in faithful obedience to the word of God, we are then 
When we are walking in obedience, we are then in the position to know the mind of God. And so if we are surrendered to the purposes of God, then whatever we are going to be asking for is going to be the will of God. Therefore, whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. If I'm walking in a way that, man, I just want to be pleasing to God, then I'm not going to ask for bizarre and strange things unless I say, but Lord, only if it's your will. Only if it's your will. Don't, don't give that to me if it's going to mess me up. Don't give that to me if it's going to stumble my walk in you. Lord, I, 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 just, I just want what you want in my life. The interesting thing is the closer we get to the Lord, the smaller our want list of things becomes and the greater our want list for people and the souls of people become. The closer we get to him, the less about things and the more about the souls of people. Verse 23, and this is the commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And here it is again, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Now he who keeps his commandment abides in him and he in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. This whole idea, believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, goes back to what we spoke of this past Sunday. It's more than just a a, a head knowledge, guys. It's got to be a head knowledge that changes the heart. Our belief and faith has to come from hearts that are sold out to Jesus. And the sad reality is, like I, I spoke with at least one of the services this weekend, there is a multitude of people in churches today that are 18 inches away from heaven. They have it in their head, but they don't have it in their heart. They believe, but they've never surrendered. They believe, but they've never committed. They believe, but they've never been born again. How many of you ever watched bungee jumping, like a little video of bungee jumping? Okay, so you know how stupid that is, right? Yeah. <laughs> Jump off a perfectly good bridge or a building with a bunch of rubber bands tied to your feet, and you think that's going to be fun. Okay. Yeah. I mean, really, do you ever wonder to yourself how insane that really is? Who in their right mind would jump off a 200-foot you know, bridge. I, I, in looking at this, I found out they are just about to open up a bungee jump, the longest one ever, ever, 900 feet. 900 feet. That's insane. Well, bear with me here for a moment as I close this up. According to their website, they actually specialize in the custom design and manufacturing and sale of bungee springs, bungee cords, shock cords, and all the equipment needed to use in this specialty application. According to their specifications on their website, their bungee cords are designed to operate between 350% and 400% elongation. That means that dude's going to stretch out 400% of what you normally see what it is without breaking in order to provide a smooth ride for your clients. By creating G-forces between 2.4 and 2.8. I think when the G-force gets to be about 1.3, that's when I throw up. But uh, they're saying there's a whole lot more here. 
Their chords meet and exceed CBA, NABA, BERSA, SANZ, and Australian specifications. According to their website, they are the finest available, made with highest quality materials, with exclusive proprietary methods, with several safety features built in that are not found on most other chords. As a matter of fact, the rubber itself is highly specialized and designed specifically for bungee with dual helic binding of threads to minimize premature wear. Let's hope so, right? Oh, and distortion. That 400% goes to 600, and you're counting on only being four. You don't want the distortion. It has ozone and UV protection. I'd say that's pretty good in Arizona. The largest factor responsible, ozone and UV protection, that's the largest factor responsible for deterioration of rubber. Also, they have a special silicone coating which minimizes friction between the individual strands of rubber and offers overall abrasion resistance. They say that most of the rubber used today is still coated with talc. Isn't that like what you put on a baby's butt? You know, yeah, and I'm going to jump with that and it's on the strings. Of, no, thank you. Okay. For these guys, the length of their cords are double-wrapped in opposite directions to ensure the elimination of soft spots on the cord, maintain structural integrity, and thus maximize cord life, and hopefully yours. (laughs) I added that last part. Uh, Now, I could go on and on, but let me me bring it down. Their harnesses giving a minimum of a 10-to-1 safety factor when used as instructed. Don't you want to be the 10th guy? Uh, their rigging plates are made of stainless steel. Their screw lock half-inch carabiners, which are half-load tested to withstand 14,000 pounds of force. So let's not do that right after Thanksgiving. So I'm saying all this because I want you to know, you and I, we could be very, very well educated in the field of bungee jumping and still never really experience that rush, that adrenaline flow of plunging toward the earth with, you know, sure death lingering at the thing, and the only thing between you and death is that big rubber band tied to your feet. I mean, we'd be well-educated, but we wouldn't really know. We've never been really committed to it. Oh, but we know all about it. Well, beloved, what John is trying to get across to the church is that we, all of us, we are plunging toward eternity. As a matter of fact, according to the latest calculations, and I checked it today, 10 out of 10 of us are going to (laughs) die till the rapture comes, okay? The big question is, is have you experienced true new life in Christ, this side of death? Or is it simply head knowledge? Head knowledge means that you've got all the equipment at your disposal. But you've never strapped on the gear. You've never really gone to the edge of the platform and just fell into trust in Jesus. Absolute faith. Knowing, Lord, I'm going to die if you don't catch me. I'm going to die for all eternity if my life is not fully yours. I want to be yours. When we have that assurance of the love of God, of the sacrifice of Christ for our sin, the one who laid down his life for us, beloved, if you've never made that commitment, 
and all you're doing is trying religion, you're still on the platform, and you're still plunging to death. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. We should be called children of God. so glad we could be with you today as we opened God's Word and dove deeply into its goodness and truth. If you missed any part of today's message in John's epistles, we encourage you to catch up on our website, theopenword.com. There you'll be able to browse our library of audio as well as learn more about the ministry of The Open Word. We'd love to hear from you too and find out how God's working in your life. Please give us a call at 520-836-9676. When you call, be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you. That number again is 520-836-9676. Is social media part of your routine? Come like our Facebook page and keep up to date with all that's happening at The Open Word and Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. You'll find a link at our website, theopenword.com. As our time comes to a close today, Pastor David has a quick word of encouragement to share with you. Oh yeah, thanks Chris. Any time you spend in God's Word is valuable, and I'd like to encourage you to do it as often as possible. By diving deeper into Scripture and letting it saturate your heart and mind, you'll be ready to take on your day as well as be prepared when the enemy attacks. If you're not sure where to start, you can begin by reading today's passage again or simply begin with the Gospel of Mark, a short and simple reading. If your heart is open to the Holy Spirit's direction, you can't go wrong. Hey, thanks for tuning in today, and I hope you'll join me again next time on The Open Word.